You're listening to the Outside by Design podcast, made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Blurring the lines between work and play, whether your office is in a pickup truck at a trailhead or in a skyscraper, we're connecting you to others who think like you do. We'll just get into it. So Lisa didn't really, she described briefly what you do a little bit, but can you... Give me a little background of what you do now. Sure. Yep. Um, I am a helicopter mechanic. Um, I'm certified to also work on small planes. Um, So about six years ago, I decided to start an internship, uh, apprenticeship actually, um, to where I could get my mechanics license and... um, once I actually got that certificate and passed uh, all these exams, there was nine of them, uh, I got a job opportunity to move up here to Alaska. Um, and originally it was uh, to work for a small uh, bush plane pilot. Um, but uh, anyways, circumstances. I uh, now live in Juneau and work on helicopters. And we have, my company has 11 different helicopters. Um, the Main ones are the A-Star B-2s that you see in most ski movies. Um, And, yeah, I just uh, do all the maintenance. Uh, In the summertime, it's preventative maintenance, uh, changing the oil, checking fluids, making sure nothing's broken. Um, The machines fly, um, you know, 100 hours a month, if not more. So there's just a lot of and little inspections that go on. And then uh, during the winter time, actually, is uh, when mechanics are most busy because uh, our helicopters aren't flying as much. And so that's when we do big annual inspections and um, we bring the machines in and we'll we'll take them completely all apart and replace everything on them. Um, That's that's corroded, uh, doesn't meet uh, the criteria, um, tolerances, and... Yeah, basically just doing everything I can to make sure these machines are as safe as possible to fly. Definitely never met a helicopter mechanic before. <laughs> That's really a you know very specialized career. Had you always been interested in stuff like that, or how did you go down that path? Um, I always liked working with my hands and doing manual labor. Uh, my dad had a construction business growing up, so kind of just learned how to fix things um, and build things around the house, but uh, never never really did any maintenance um, on like a car or a plane or anything until about six or seven years ago. And um, it was after college and I decided um, my career path as a German teacher wasn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I, that's when I, um, basically I, I've always wanted to fly. Um, and I, I do have my pilot's license, but not for helicopters, just for small fixed wings. And, um, I decided one day I just wanted to be a really good pilot. And in order to do that, I needed to know how my machine worked because the places that I want to fly, um, are the backcountry areas. I don't want to be some commercial bus driver flying a 737. You know, I want to be the guy in the little plane going out and exploring. And um, 
And sometimes things happen when you're out there. So um, my desire to learn how to do this just came from a desire to better myself and make sure that I don't get stuck out there. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of where it started. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Are you the only female mechanic at your company? Uh, no, actually, there is one other female mechanic. Um, she no longer works as as a mechanic. Um, she took a desk job upstairs, and so she, she holds an A&P license, but um, she just does paperwork, um, which is super important. Um, so she does a good job doing that. But, um, yeah, in my entire career, I've only met three other women who do what I do. And one was the examiner that checked out my, um, that, that like certified me for once I passed all my tests. And, uh, the other was, yeah, just this woman I met through another guy who knew of some lady and thought we should meet one day. So yeah, there, there's definitely not a lot of, a lot of us at all. <laughs> That's an awesome career though. So tell me about your husband, Craig, and the cool adventures that the two of you go on together, because I know you guys love to get after it. Okay. Um, yep. Craig's my husband, and he's a civil engineer with an emphasis in geotechnical science. So um, he builds uh, dams and tunnels, and his job up here has uh, let him travel to like crazy remote places of Alaska. So he, um, he gets to travel a bit more than I do. But when we happen to be in town on the same weekend, um, I will say that weather usually dictates what we do, but, um, we definitely try and play as much as possible. We love, we love the mountains. We're definitely mountain people. So, um, we'll go run ridges if we can, um, and if the weather allows, like, uh, my favorite thing to do is just take my plane out and maybe fly around and land on a dirt strip somewhere and go explore. Or um, we haven't actually got to do the hunting bit yet, but that's that's in the plans for, for this year is to fly around to some different strips and go hunting. Um, but we have done that, and uh, there's a subsistence area here in Juneau where you can um, – you can actually catch salmon with um, either a cast net or a dip net or, you know, like you can actually use nets to get the fit, catch the fish, which is great. But, um, yeah, there's this there's this dirt strip that we like to fly to and uh, you can go and land the plane there and then you hike up to the stream and um, he'll have a spear and I'll have the net and then you like try and spear the fish and like just keep him up in the net and then hop back in the plane and fly back to home. So. Um, I wouldn't say that's every weekend we get to do something that rad because um, the weather usually doesn't cooperate up here. But um, we we definitely try and still be outside no matter what the means is. That's super badass. That's awesome. What <laughs> See, what's the wildest thing that's ever happened in your business? Either well, kind of anything along there on one of your adventures or while working as your, as a mechanic, what's one of the wildest things that's ever happened? Probably the coolest thing that's ever happened um, was when I was working for a bush pilot up in Haines and um, he has a ski plane 
Um, so he took me out one morning and we went and he, we landed his ski plane on this glacier and it was like in the middle of nowhere, like up in glacier. Actually, it wasn't in Glacier Bay because you're not allowed to do that. But, um, <laughs> but it was just another totally remote area. Um, and we just went and, uh, skinned and, and skied and like took and did some laps before work and then hopped back in his plane and flew back to the airport and, um, you know, worked for the rest of the day, but it was so cool to like, just have that freedom and like fly and land on a glacier in the middle of nowhere and like go skiing before work. <laughs> Another highlight of my career was probably when I got to, um, be the field mechanic for a heli ski operation. And so we provide two helicopters usually, um, for, a contract with Alaska Rendezvous, which is 45 miles outside of Valdez. So last year for six weeks, I got to go and just live at this heli ski camp. But um, my job was to maintain both helicopters and, um, you know, if anything, anything was broken, fix it, but hopefully catch it before anything breaks. Um, but just to, to, be so remote and have like two machines that I was solely in charge of um, and to be working outside in the snow like uh, I just love it you know like your my office is at the base of um, Billy Mitchell like this incredible awesome looking being terrain <laughs> that's rad so how did you well really get into that had you already well, let me back up a little bit. Where are you from originally? Can you give us like uh, the Cliff Notes version of, all right, day one, you enter the world. <laughs> Today, you're in Alaska. You're a helicopter mechanic. Yep. How did mm-hmm. how did that happen? Okay. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Carbondale, Colorado. Um, there's a little little runway in Glenwood Springs, which is about 12 miles away. Um, it's the next town over. And, uh, I grew up, my dad's also a pilot, a private pilot. So, um, grew up flying with my dad and just always had this love of aviation. And, uh, uh, like I said earlier, when my plans of, uh, doing the whole German teacher living in Europe thing after college, fell through. Uh, I moved back home and got a job at the, the maintenance facility there in Glenwood Springs, which, um, is where I worked in high school, (laughs) kind of backtracking a little bit, but, um, I started my apprenticeship there. And if you're going to do, get your mechanics license through work experience, you have to work for two and a half years. And, um, I, did that for two years until the economy totally tanked and they couldn't afford to keep me on anymore. So just through um, the universe and a lot of awesome people in my life, I got hooked up with a mechanic down in Salome, Arizona. So I moved to the middle of nowhere um, desert in Arizona for six months and uh slept on a mattress under the wing of a Cherokee (laughs) and um yeah uh had a crazy experience there for six months where I learned all about engines from this this mechanic who has a really great reputation and um 
it was through this guy, Russ Pierce, um, that I met Drake, um, Drake Olson, who is with Fly Drake up in Haines, Alaska. And uh, Russ put the two of us together. Um, basically, I saw the deeper DVD that came out and I was like, oh my God, that is what I want to do with my life. You know, I knew I always wanted to fly. Um, at the time when I was in Colorado, I was also um, a part-time ski instructor. So I've always loved skiing, always loved flying. And then when I saw that DVD, I was like, I need to go work for this guy, Drake. So um, that's what got me up to Alaska. Um, and I worked for Drake throughout the, the summer um, back in 2012. Um, but it wasn't going to be like a long-term deal working for him. Um, it was just a great intro, a way to, way to get my feet up here. Um, so when I was in Haines and, uh, saw the, you know, my job with Drake coming to an end, that's when I just came down to Juno one day and handed my resume into every single operator on the field. And, uh, coastal helicopters happened to be the first people that get back to me. Um, so when they offered me the job, um, I had never worked on a helicopter before, but I took it because it's pretty hard to get into the helicopter industry if you don't have prior experience. And these guys were willing to take a chance on me. And um, it's just, it's been an awesome experience. Uh, they do a lot of training. So I feel like um, I know just as much as the next person. I mean, I still have so much to learn, you know, but um, Coastal does a really good job. They emphasize training. Um, and basically it's just another machine. You just have to look at it a little bit differently, but, uh, yeah, that's where I've been ever since uh, in Juneau. <laughs> awesome. What's the usual clientele for coastal helicopters for the company? Um, I, it uh, kind of depends on the time of year. Um, Co coastal is the only helicopter operator that works year round, um, so in the summer, we do a bit of the tourism with the cruise ship tourists and the sled dog camps up on the glaciers. Um, we'll do scenic flights. But I'd say that's, a, that's probably a, the smallest percentage of our clientele. Um, we actually just do a lot of charter work. We'll do um, sling work for the gold mines that are around town. We'll do... Um, we do actually a lot of slinging for uh, like the AT&T cell phone towers, for the radio towers, for the marine exchange. Um, like just the location here in Southeast means everything is pretty remote. Um, and there's just so many little islands around here that the easiest way to get to these places is with helicopters, whether you're flying people out there or you're actually slinging in diesel generators to make sure people don't run out of electricity. Um, or that their phones continue to work. Uh, so that's probably the biggest chunk of our, like, sustaining um, income. But uh, my favorite time of year is February through April when we do the heli skiing. And that's when we'll have contracts with TGR. We have um, helicopters up in Haines with uh, two different heli ski operators we go up to valdez um just i don't we we kind of have i don't know we could always use more <laughs> helicopters for the heli skiing i think but um 
yeah, we've got a pretty good reputation, I guess, with some of the film crews around here. So they seem to come back and, and use us year after year. Awesome. What color are the helicopters so we can watch for them in the next TGR movie? <laughs> uh, we call them Fifty Shades of Yellow. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I think we're trying to get them the same color yellow for each bird, but uh, <laughs> the paint match hasn't quite worked out yet. <laughs> That's great. Yep. <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. Tell me, like, an Alaskan animal story. What's your best animal encounter? Um, let me see. Probably the best one, um, I was down fishing on this creek. Um, it's, like, two hours south of here in a boat. And um, you can subsistence fish there as well. So it's a pretty popular spot. People rock up with their dip nets and catch nets and um, cast nets, actually. Um, and trying to catch the, the sockeye as they, they come running in. But, but you can't go there by yourself. Like, you definitely need to bring at least one other person. And that person's sole job is to hold the gun and to keep the bears away. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool when, uh, when I was there. And uh, I was standing in the middle of this creek, which is about the same size as a river in Colorado. But, um, <laughs> um, and I'm holding this huge rifle um, and staring at these bears and just daring them to come closer, <laughs> but secretly praying that they wouldn't. <laughs> um, yeah, and those were, there were two grizzly bears um, just fishing on the other side of the river when we were down there so that was pretty cool nice and up close and thankfully not too personal <laughs> yeah that's probably a lot closer than most people will ever get to a grizzly bear in their life that's crazy. yeah <laughs> what's the raddest thing you did last week yeah raddest thing i guess um on Friday, there was a plane crash here in the southeast, and my husband and I, we also volunteer for Juno Mountain Rescue. So when the plane crash happened, the, the, there were four survivors on board, and they actually um, called 911. And so the troopers found out their exact location, and they called out Juno Mountain Rescue. And with the assistance of the Coast Guard, um, uh, JMR personnel were able to go and uh, get the four survivors off of the hill, which was pretty cool. Um, I didn't get to go up in the helicopter, but I got to help run the incident command station for the first time, um, which was, uh, for, for me, it was, it was cool just to um, be, be involved, but also know that we saved four people's lives. That's awesome. Yeah. I guess it was more the Coast Guard that saved their lives, but um, we all played a small part. So, Yeah, just to be involved in a rescue operation like that in any aspect is such a just awesome thing that not very many people have the opportunity to be a part of something like that. And, I mean, you yeah. have four people that are super, super grateful now that are still here. So, yeah, wow. nice work. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you've worked in a bunch of different aspects or like 
places in the aviation industry over the years Mm -hmm. of your career. Have you noticed any big changes taking place in that industry or even as it relates to other parts of the outdoor industry or in Alaska in general? Um, I would say that, um, yeah, I, Moving up to Alaska was um, really eye-opening for me um, because up here, aviation is a way of life. Um, People can't, like, they won't get their mail. They won't get their food. Um, There's there's certain things that um, people have come to rely on through aviation up here. I feel like back in Colorado, you know, I was just working on people's planes that had a lot of money and they just, you know, flew for the fun of it. But up here, I actually kind of feel like I'm, I'm making more of a difference um, because helicopters are used for search and rescue. Helicopters are, um, you know, they are used for fun, but there's, there's definitely... Uh, a necessity to aviation up here. Um, just in the fact that like Juno, there's no roads. You can't drive to the town I live in. You can only fly here or come in by boat. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's, especially with a lot of these smaller communities too, if there was any type of medical emergency, um, it's either a helicopter or these, uh, flight for life medevac flights that um that are really gonna save a person in the end and um, I'm actually testament to that myself um I've been back in Juno for a week now but I've been gone for the past six months because I was in a serious accident and got frostbite while mountaineering and um had to get medevac to Anchorage um because the hospital here in Juneau just couldn't provide the type of care I needed to um, make sure I kept uh, part, if not all, of my feet. So, um, yeah. What What else was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to like wander too much. Sorry. No, that's, no, that's good. fine. That's good. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Um, I'm definitely all healed up, but, um, now I'm just battling the lingering nerve pain. So I'm still walking with crutches and, um, still taking meds, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, just doing what I can, but kind of, uh, limited by how much, uh, nerve pain I'm still in due to the, the damaged feet. Amy and I met in college, and uh, so we've known each other for a lot of years, so I can definitely say you have one of the best outlooks out of anyone I've ever met, and you know, you're so positive all the time, and even throughout all the years, and all the moving, and all the different job changes, oh my gosh. I can always call you and just leave the phone feeling really energized, Yeah, and yeah. so... <laughs> I think that that power that you have is going to help you get through this injury. And I'm really glad you're back up in Alaska. Thanks. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> I think that's really good for you. 
Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lisa, do you remember when we almost uh, waylaid our plans of staying in Crested Butte and me starting my apprenticeship in Glenwood because we wanted to move back to Winter Park and be ski bums for another year? Yeah. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be in Alaska if we had done that. <laughs> I'd probably still be a ski and a snowboard instructor. <laughs> That was, that was a dumb plan that I'm glad didn't yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, me too. But <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, that's funny. And one time you flew, you flew your plane from Aspen to Crested Butte just to have lunch with me. I did do that. Yep. That was yep. pretty cool. That was that was a good lunch. <laughs> <laughs> From our tiny, <laughs> tiny airport in Tokyo. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a small one. <laughs> yeah. So, how's the sense of community up there? Um, it's uh, you got to work for it, but once you once you find it, I. I'm finding that the people are very loyal and very helpful. And um, it was kind of also this injury that made me realize um, how big my community was and how many people I that I, I thought I just like knew as acquaintances, but um, I've really like those people have just stepped up to, to be extremely helpful and actually, um, become really good friends and uh I, I think it's hard initially to to break in um and, and get to know some people because Juno itself and um most of southeast Alaska it's very transient. Um you know most people just come up for the summer and leave again. Um so I kind of get the sensation a lot of locals are, are jaded. You know, they, they feel like they put this time and energy into people and then those people just leave. Um, but, but that the, the people that you do get to know are, are so genuine, pretty eclectic, but, um, definitely just, just as good of friends, um, as the people I left back, back in Colorado. Um, yeah, there's there's some pretty awesome people up here for sure. <laughs> you just kind of gotta work to make it happen and to meet those people. Um, but I think that's also just because everyone's so busy living their life. Like, really, um, it's not that they don't have time for you, but you know, hunting season's only this long, and fishing season's only this long, and there's a big uh, influence of um just living sustainably and trying to do all the subsistence fishing and um growing your own food and definitely the hunting and stuff um people are way way into that up here so um that that's kind of like their their first priority and 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 once you get to i don't know and now i'm rambling but uh i <laughs> <laughs> think it's um if you don't do those type of things it can be hard to meet people because that's kind of the vibe that draws people to living here maybe not in Juneau specifically but definitely in southeast Alaska is is that type of lifestyle so um 
you just kind of have to embrace it. And once you do that, then people are really willing to, you know, show you how to fish and to take you hunting and to, um, you know, help, help you learn how to also live sustainably up here. That is cool. Yeah, it's cool. I've always heard it's hard to get vegetables up there. Yeah. yeah. Is that true yeah. or is that a myth? Um it it's definitely it can be true. Um the most of the vegetables all get barged in. Um Juno has a way better selection just because we're a city of thirty thousand, where Haynes where I was living before is two thousand, you know. So um we have a lot more options here in Juno, but um usually they're all moldy or squished or something by the time they come up so definitely just not as much many options as you get down in america (laughs) Um, (laughs) but um if you do have a spot um like a garden plot or you're able to have a little greenhouse on your property um it's incredible the amount of vegetables that you can grow in a summertime because you have 20 to 24 hours of daylight and things just get big fast. Um, but I live in an apartment, so I don't get a garden. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So what's, what's your advice to someone who wants to become a helicopter mechanic? Do it. Absolutely do it. Um, helicopter mechanics, airplane mechanics, um, you know, let's just call them aircraft mechanics. It covers all (laughs) airframes and engine types. Um, but we're definitely in demand right now. And it's a, it's a skill that can take you to a lot of really cool places. Um, and you know, I hope that one day I can get hooked up with an international company and, you know, maybe, start doing some type of humanitarian aid effort with it. Um, that's a long-term goal, but, uh, for someone that wants to get into the industry, I say, do it. Like it's a, it's for sure a good career choice. You're going to get paid. Well, you're going to have the opportunity to really kind of pick and choose what you want to work on and where you want to go because we're in mechanics are in such high demand, but, um, it's also, it's just, it's fun. And if you are like me and you just got two degrees out of college and, you know, <laughs> don't really feel like going back to school and paying another 20 grand, um, you can do the apprenticeship route. And there's a lot of bigger companies out there that um, are really willing to work with um, with motivated individuals. You know, you can you can come to Coastal without an A&P and work there for two and a half years and they'll supervise your work. And then at the end of it, you're going to walk away with a mechanic's license or you're going to stay and be their new lead mechanic. And um, it's, I, I recommend the hands-on route, like learning all the experience on the job, but um, there's, there's definitely different ways to get into it. And um, I think, I think it's a really good move. So. All right. Yeah. We're going to ask you some quick questions. It's called a lightning okay. round. And lightning just, round. <laughs> just answer whatever comes to mind first. Okay. And feel free to elaborate if you want, but do 
Whatever you want. But it's supposed to be like quick answers. Okay. All right. If you were any cartoon character, who would you be? Oh. Um, Inspector the- Gadget. Inspector oh, Gadget. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> if you had to give up your favorite food, what would be the hardest to give up? Oh, I've already given up bread and beer and milk and yogurt. <laughs> what do you Yeah, that's the, those I, are my um, staples. <laughs> I have a lot of food allergies, so I feel like if you were to take anything else away from me, it'd be blueberries, and I'd be really sad. (laughs) Good thing you're a good cook. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. You've been given access to a time machine. When and where would you travel? Oh, I would go back to... um, like the 1930s, 1940s era, um, kind of about like World War II. I'd love to be the Rosie the Riveter. Um, I'd love to be there for like, I guess it was actually 1901 when the Wright brothers made their first plane, but really like the birth of aviation when, um, you know, Piper airplanes were starting to be made when you could buy a Cessna for a brand new four seater Cessna for $3,000. Um, <laughs> you know, when there wasn't as many regulations with the FAA and people could just fly, they, they could afford to fly. It was the new fun thing to do. Um, that's yeah. I want to go back and <laughs> fly all those planes and work for Cessna or Piper and design them and, fly them across the like they used to people used to be employed um to like deliver aircraft it was their job to like fly this aircraft and drop it off to like the new owners and people got a lot of flying experience that way that would be me (laughs) all right what animal is best and why what animal is best (laughs) Um, um, uh, birds. I love, I love, um, even the smallest of birds. I always thought my power animal was going to be like a beautiful red parrot from (laughs) some tropical island, just big and, um, flaunting their wings and, uh, powerful. And you can fly. <laughs> it's interesting because Lisa's favorite animal is also a bird. The most freedom screaming bird in our country. What is it, Lisa? I don't like eagles. Oh. <laughs> they think that that's like big news around here. I can't stand eagles. <laughs> I get upset at bald eagles. They, they, they kind of eat trash. I mean, if you think about it. <laughs> See? Amy gets it. And they're bald. I mean. <laughs> Man, you guys are alienating like 98% of our listening audience right now. All this anti-American talk. <laughs> All this anti-eagle talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh. Let's hear a shout out to your mom. She'll listen to this. Hey, hey mom. Uh, thanks for taking care of me all these years, but especially the past five months. Um, I miss you up here in Juneau and, 
I especially miss those paleo cookies you've been making me. <laughs> Aww. Good one. All right, ski or snowboard? Ski. It does not make sense to go down the hill sideways. I don't get it. <laughs> I've tried it. I don't get it. <laughs> All right, what's the best pair of skis you've ever ridden? Um, <laughs> K2 Sidekicks. It was the first pair of skis I got with AT bindings. Um, before that, I was telemarketing. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling to um, get into the backcountry. So when I got that ski set up with AT bindings, it changed my life. Everything just got simpler, and it was awesome. <laughs> what's your let's see? What's your favorite article of clothing? Um, vests. I love vests. Having my core warm, but not having the bulk on my arms. Arms. Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What sound does an animal make? Oink. <laughs> that's a new one. That's I haven't heard one. that yet. Yeah, <laughs> When's the last time you used an iron? Oh. Um, I think it was a year and a half ago when... We were going to a wedding for a friend, and I needed to iron my husband's shirt. But uh, we don't actually own an iron, so the only thing I could come up with was this iron that I use um, used to use when I would sew airplane wings, um, smaller Piper wings and smaller aircraft. Are, the, the wings are made out of fabric, and so once you have it glued and sewed into place, you actually iron it, and the, the fabric shrinks. But um, the head on this iron is literally like uh, two inches by one inch. And so <laughs> I was, <laughs> it took a really long time to iron his shirt with that. <laughs> and I haven't used it since. <laughs> totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? Mean people. I don't understand why you can't just, say what you need to say in a nice place. Um, I think the world would be a lot better place if people just took the time to, to look each other in the eye and treat each other like they would their, their spouse or, or um, someone that they really care about. What color makes you happiest? Purple. Like a dark purple. <laughs> Royal purple, actually. <laughs> This is really rad. We get to talk to so many rad people through this podcast. Like, I would oh, have never like... pictured I would have been talking to a helicopter pilot in Alaska right now. It's really cool. Still a mechanic. That's awesome. Yeah, or a mechanic. Yeah, sorry. I keep saying pilot. I know it's a mechanic. <laughs> okay. It's confusing because I am a pilot, but I just don't fly helicopters because um, it's too expensive. So, um, but it's, it's sure fun to fly. <laughs> Do you still get to fly your, much yourself anymore? Uh, like me fly around in my plane? Yep. Is that what you mean? Um, no, I like, I haven't flown at all the past six months and I just started working on my plane yesterday cause, 
Um, even airplanes have to have an annual inspection every year. So um, now that I'm back, I am doing that inspection. And then hopefully, hopefully maybe next week I'll be done with it. And then I can go flying. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So when you get up <sighs> and you finally like lift off the ground, is that one of the coolest feelings in the world when you're just behind a little plane doing it yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love that liftoff feeling for sure. Um, I actually still remember the first time I lifted off in a helicopter because, you know, I've, I've flown my entire life, but I still remember that first time in the helicopter because you didn't go forward at all. You just went straight up and it was like one of those terrible rides at Elidge Gardens in Denver, you know, where you're like your throat, just like your stomach just comes out of your throat and you're like, Bleh! trying not to hurl um just a sensation I was not ready for um but now it doesn't bother me as much <laughs> I'd say the second greatest sensation though is actually landing like proving that you can get back on the ground um safely <laughs> yeah, yeah totally most pilots will maybe agree with that <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, Lisa. It's good to see you again. That's <laughs> yeah, great to meet you. Thanks. You too. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to hear some insights from Amy at Coastal Heli up in Alaska. More information on Coastal Helicopters can be found at www.coastalhelicopters.com. For more info on Wheelie Creative, check out our website at www.wheeliecreative.com. That's W-H-E-E-L-I-E-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E.com. And don't forget to sign up for Lisa's weekly newsletter, Nerdspeak, where you can hear her talk about running a business in a mountain town.